Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. Is anyone else struggling with what to wear these days? I've been pretty frustrated with getting dressed over the last few months as I've navigated body changes, and some days I quite literally have no idea what to wear. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for every occasion. When I signed up, I took a style quiz, and based on my preferences, they offered suggestions that would best match my life. I've been renting clothes from Armoire for a while now, and the more I rent, the more on point the suggestions get. Plus, you send what you wear back, which is a great way to try new styles without waste. Armoire also has such a fantastic range of options. Whether you're planning an outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or maybe a family event, or just need some updated options for everyday life, you'll be the best-dressed person in the room without ever having to find time for an exhausting shopping day. Right now, Didn't I Just Feed You listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash D-I-J-F-Y. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-I-J-F-Y to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share HomeThreads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At homethreads.com, Discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to homethreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for didn't I just feed you, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. Homethreads, love where you live. That's homethreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. Stacy, both of us encourage home cooks to make homemade stock whenever possible, since there's nothing quite like its deep, soul-nourishing taste. At the same time, we both know that it's not always realistic to do so. You can say that again, which is why we always have store-bought broth in our pantries. You cannot beat the convenience. But I've got exciting news. Thanks to Zoop Good, really good broth, there's a way to have convenience and that simmered all-day taste. Zoop Good Really Good Broth is a premium line of broth that makes it easy to add rich homemade taste to even the quickest weeknight meals. It's a flavor-forward alternative to many of the packaged broths you find in the supermarket. That's so true. We've both done taste tests for work and can promise. Zoop Good Really Good Broth is a collection of best-in-class, small-batch broths so delicious they're good enough to drink. And everyone is kettle cooked in small batches, as well as paleo friendly and completely free of artificial ingredients, preservatives, hormones, gluten, GMOs, fat, trans fat, and saturated fat. Woo! Their lineup includes a range of chicken, veggie, and beef broths, bone broths, and a brand new seafood broth and a spicy chicken bone broth that I cannot stop sipping on for a quick mama lunch. Visit zoopbroth.com or at Zoop Good Really Good on Instagram for recipe ideas. Zoop Good Really Good Broth can be found at many retailers across the country, such as Walmart, Sprouts, and Kroger, plus online at walmart.com and zoopbroth.com. Or order from Amazon and be sure to use Feed You Zoop 2, that's the number two, to get 20% off your order. I definitely have salads on the mind. So I'm thinking about like how great, you know, taking those spring greens and that winter citrus and bringing them together with a little bit of sharp cheese is right now. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You? A podcast about feeding kids. Hi, I'm Stacy. And I'm Megan. Before we get into it, don't forget to subscribe right now, right where you're listening. And if you find yourself with an extra minute, leave us a rating or a review too. We read every single one of them with a smile and those ratings help other busy parents and home cooks find us. Stacey Billis, this is one of our favorite episodes to record. Our listeners love it. We do these kind of quarterly. It's what we're cooking and eating now, spring 2021. 
before we dive in, what's up with you? How are you? Give us like the tiniest little life update. Oh, how am I? I'm okay. I'm very much the same as I have been all year, but with hope at the end of the tunnel. It's um, my kids are going to be going back to school four days a week what? in about yeah soon in a couple of weeks. So that's pretty exciting. Um, at this point, every single grandparent and great aunt and great uncle all fully vaccinated. And there was just news recently that fully vaccinated people can go indoors without masks in small groups. So that means the kids get to see all the grandparents. So Yay. that's very exciting. But, you know, I mean, there's nothing where I'm just looking forward to like better weather, being able to spend more time outside here in New York City and just starting to slowly and responsibly open up. But nothing like nothing major. It just feels really nice because I will say right before the one year mark, like the last couple of weeks of February, very, very early March, got a little dicey. It was a little tough. I think there was just like that mental thing of like, oh my gosh, we've been doing this for a year. Yeah. So much grief, I feel like. Wow. Oh. Like just mourning a whole year sort of lost. Not to say that it was lost. I mean, so many people accomplished things and obviously so many things happened, but there's so many things that we miss too. So I totally felt that too. Yeah. So, you know, just kind of reflecting back and excited for what's ahead. A little bit like weirded out and nervous about summer. I'm a planner and like I signed one of my kids up for a sleepaway basketball camp. And I'm like, is this really going to happen? Okay, let's let's try it. You know, there's lots of flexibility being built into, you know, at like camps and airline tickets. Because right. we are we are hoping we have a goal that in August we'll be able to visit family on the West Coast. But, you know, everything's like refundable. And so just sort of just looking ahead. That's where I am. But you have so much going on right now, much more exciting than my life. And I know everybody's dying to know what is going on with you and your big move. Oh, my goodness. By the time this airs, we will have sold our Boise house. Woo! We did negotiate a rent back of our Boise house until school ends in May, and our kids are back in school full time, five days a week. Oh, still mad. I know, still masked. Oh, yeah. Still socially distanced. Brian and I are actually scheduled to get our first vaccine shot this week. So that's really exciting. I'm jealous. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like in the weird, like, we've closed on our house, we're searching for homes in. Georgia and in Tennessee, like mostly looking in Chattanooga and mostly not looking in Marietta where we used to live. But, you know, occasionally a house pops up near our friends or family there and we're like, oh, maybe we will, maybe we won't. So hopefully, you know, we'll find something and we'll move right when school ends or like we'll, we'll move most of our stuff in May while the kids are still in school and then move the family in June or end of May. It feels weird that everything is slowly kind of opening back up and obvi obviously like that the weather's improving. And even today, Brian and I are like, are we doing this? Is this the best decision? Because it's like all the things that we love about Boise, like our school and the weather here and our neighborhood feels like it's just blooming like it does in the spring. And we're, we're getting ready to leave at the same time. So very Listen. like... Bittersweet. Every, every yin has a yang. Like there's no, you know, grief without happiness. There's no death without renewal. <laughs> like all right? of those trite things. But I'm going to just tell you, you've been in a good mood. <laughs> you have you don't even been, have to tell me. I know. You've been in a good mood. And I really have been excited for you because it feels like you're on a trajectory that, of course, is bittersweet because I know how much Boise has meant to you and the people you've met there. You talk about them. I know you're very connected, but I think, you know, it's what you're doing is the right thing to do for your yeah. family. There's definitely a feeling of relief, like, OK, we're going to go back and we're going to have family support. Yes. And 
Brian's going to work more. I'm going to be close to Stacy, at least in the same time zone, which I think is going to make a lot of like, didn't I just feed you stuff flow better? And lastly, I'm going to have good barbecue. And I can't wait for that. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Worth it. Worth it. All right. Speaking of good barbecue and <laughs> yeah, and you're definitely craving. For you, well, it's spring. We're in that like shoulder season. What are you cooking and eating? It's these so days? funny because I actually love this season and I kind of I'm going to say something maybe controversial. I kind of like this weird time right before spring is in full bloom even more Because I really do love the more comfort, slow cooked foods of winter. And I'm not huge on all spring produce. Mm, That's a very like weird thing to say. Like I don't love fresh peas. Snap peas aren't my favorite. Asparagus is really not my favorite. Radishes, like I love, but it's not something that I incorporate into my like all the time cooking. They feel like a treat or I'll be like, oh yeah, let me saute some radishes for dinner tonight. But it's like, it's not a regular go-to. I love summer produce. So I kind of mourn summer being over. And then I get excited about like slow cooked meats and all the stuff that comes in like fall and winter. And this shoulder season has like some exciting new things to work with because, you know, new stuff is sprouting up. But we're still, like, it's still a little bit chilly. Like, you still want a little bit cozy. So this is a very fun cooking season for me personally. Do you feel the same way, or am I kind of alone in this? No, I love it. And the other thing is that it's also peak citrus season. Yes, yes. So you can take some of those, like, wintry veg and those spring veg and, like, just pop them off with all the citrus that is out in the world. I know that you love those sort of like citrusy salads too with greens and cheese. It's like, it's a really good season to eat cheese. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) What makes you think that? That's so interesting. I mean, every season is a good season to eat cheese. Right, right. But I think there's something about some of the spring produce that maybe you don't love that are really great to eat raw or on a snack platter. Yes, I get it. Yes, 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 yes. And we'll get into this a little bit more, but I definitely have salads on the mind. So I'm thinking about like how great, you know, taking those spring greens and that winter citrus and bringing them together with a little bit of sharp cheese is right now. So that's why I say every season is a great season for cheese. I don't know. I just started (laughs) thinking about cheese and I couldn't not speak about it. All right, keep going, keep going. What else? Do you have more cheese on your what you're eating now list? I don't, surprisingly. Like, I have a lot of salads on my what we're cooking and eating now list. I'm having a love affair with bagged salads. (laughs) (laughs) Sexy. In particular, I love the Taylor Farms chopped salads. Mm -hmm. Those are good. Yeah, it became this thing where I was struggling with sides that, like, I was excited about into February, beginning of March. And also struggling a little bit with feeding myself lunch and feeling like I was getting enough vegetables in. And so I just started having Brian, because Brian's our grocery shopper. I make the list and and I meal plan and he goes and shops for us right now. I was just having him grab like three or four bagged salads and I would make them for lunches for, for Brian and I or like make them as a side. And now it's become this like this whole routine. And sometimes they're like the base of dinner and sometimes they're just like they're a thing all on their own. But then that's also led me into like, okay, well, I love chopped salads right now. What other chopped salads can I make and not just buy too? So one that I've been really loving is Grace Elkis. She's one of the writers at Kitchen. She does this really great column. And actually like her, this column is pretty great inspiration to look at for spring because it's called Tonight We Veg. Grace is a vegetarian and it's all these like It's bowl food that you like really want. It's all really crave worthy, but it's all plant based. So she has this Italian chopped salad that I love, which again, the highlight of that, besides the creamy garlic dressing, is that there's cheese Cheese. in it. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been putting mini pepperoni in it just to give myself like a little more protein and because mini pepperoni is fun. But it's like 
the perfect example of spring and summer produce. It's salads. It's like crunchy and the dressing has lots of acidity to it. And it's kind of like everything I want to eat right now. Like it still feels comforting and sort of homey for the cool days of spring. But then it's also very fresh and feels like a breath of fresh air. That sounds delicious. What about you? Are you big on spring salads? Do you have any salads on your list? I, you know, usually I am. I don't have very many salads on my list. So I definitely feel like I'm a little bit more still in late winter than you, maybe. So let's talk about vegetables. Okay, one thing that I've been doing is making the potato cheddar soup with quick pickled jalapenos that Melissa Clark uh, developed for the New York Times. It is so good. It's basically cheesy mashed potatoes as a soup. And it's sort of like warming for those chilly nights. But like we pretty much just eat that and then like a quick avocado salad on the side or, you know, some like corn tortillas or something like that, just so that it's still light overall. So that's been really good. I admitted already that I don't really like asparagus, which I feel embarrassed about somehow. You shouldn't. Asparagus is like, it is kind of weird. Like it can taste great, but also sometimes it can be kind of stringy and like it's inconsistent. And that's a reason enough not to like it. Yeah. It's also just the flavor. It's just not my favorite. But I really don't like the idea of not buying a particular vegetable because I do feel like my kids are still little. I mean, they're not. So I wonder if it matters. But I feel like if you never bring asparagus to the table, you're kind of developing eaters who are unlikely to like asparagus, too. You know what I mean? So I always feel this pressure to, especially when it's in season and it's at its most delicious, to just like every once in a while bring it in, you know, like have the guys taste it. They also don't really love it <laughs> because I barely do it, but I try. And I really like it shaved. So oh. for my first cookbook, I you know I love fennel. Fennel's yes. beautiful right now. I do a fennel, a shaved fennel asparagus salad where the asparagus is shaved raw. And there's something about the flavor. It's still kind of... Um, I don't know. It has a little more texture. The flavor isn't as intense when it's raw and it's shaved into these thin strips. And then you toss it with a very light vinaigrette and some cubed fontina cheese. And it's really delicious. So cheese in there. Cheese. You're right. You're totally right. (laughs) Another vegetable thing I've been making, not a salad, is that this year I said I wanted to cook more Greek food. So I bought a bunch of Greek cookbooks, which I thought like I felt really weird about, but it was funny because they really like flipping through them jogged my memory of the things that my grandmother made. And what I've been doing is like choosing a dish, making it the way this cookbook says, making it the way that cookbook says. And like each time I eat it, I get a new kind of sense memory about how my grandmother's tasted. And like, I'll talk to my mom about it. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I used to add tomato paste to that. And I was like, oh, my God, right. And then I move on to doing my own version and developing my own recipe. So the thing that I've been working on now is called spanakorizo. I even said that wrong. I used, because it's funny, I used to say, well, now I can't think of it because I said it the way my mom said it to me the other day. I was saying spanako. No, now I'm saying it like her. I can't get my bad pronunciation back. I was putting the accent in the wrong place and she corrected me. And so now I'm starting to like train myself to say Wait, it correctly so what again. Is it? Spanicorizo is it's spinach rice. Okay. Spani is like spanicopita and rizo is rice. So you basically saute like scallions and onions in quite a bit of olive oil. Like some recipes call for as much as like a quarter cup. I don't use that much. But anyway, you saute the onions and the scallions. You add like two and a half pounds of spinach, like a ton of spinach in, you know, phases so that you get it all kind of wilted. And then you add only really like a cup, a cup and a half of rice because it's really not like it's not supposed to be like a rice pilaf where it's mostly rice with some spinach. It's really like a combo of the two, if that makes any sense. You cook that down and then you finish with a ton of fresh dill and a ton of lemon juice. And like I just said, my grandmother also used to make it with tomato paste sometimes. So my kids love it. 
And it's a great way to get them to eat cooked spinach, which has been a thing before in the past. And then I just pair that with a simple, like mostly I have a lemon oregano marinade from Winner Winner Chicken Dinner. And I've just, that's so fast and easy. It's such a highly acidic marinade that you really only let the chicken marinate for like 20 minutes. So you make it, you sit while you're doing the rice, and then you just quickly cook it in the pan or in the broiler. And that's it with like crumbled feta on the side because cheese. Because cheese. Do you know what a funny thing is? I have a lemon chicken on my list, but it's not your lemon chicken. And now (gasps) I'm like, ooh, I should make Stacey's lemon chicken. It's actually Ina Garten's lemon chicken. And it's like one of those that's like so easy. It's lots of olive oil, lots of lemon juice, lots of garlic. And you put chicken breast or chicken thighs in it and then just bake it in the oven. And I've been doing that a lot for meal prep. Because then I can make like a chicken Caesar wrap with my bagged salad. Yeah, that totally. I love so much for lunch, or we will have it like with rice and stuff like that for dinner. So I think that's really interesting that we both have some version of lemon chicken on our list. It's so good. And it sounds so like her marinade might be similar to mine because it's very, it's like a ton of lemon juice. Yeah, it's really the one thing that's like kind of annoying about it is that she makes you cook the garlic in the olive oil before you build oh, no. the rest of the marinade. I mean, it's like I do it, but I'm I have been wondering lately like if I really need will to. Will you try mine? Try mine I will. and compare yeah. it. I would love to hear. Okay, cool. Okay. What else? Oh, I've been making a quick chickpea vegetable soup mostly Mm. to reduce food waste (laughs) yeah you know i don't know we're somehow in a season again where i'm finding a lot of vegetables (laughs) that are about to turn in the crisper and just sauteing them you know adding some garlic adding the broth and then adding chickpeas and then to make it a little bit more exciting i'm finishing with parmesan garlic panko breadcrumbs on top like I mean, think about the most simple, the quickest vegetable soup you could possibly make. It's that, like just off the top of my head. And then the breadcrumbs make it much more exciting. Yeah, the breadcrumbs are what I want to know about. So are you like toasting the panko on the stovetop in a dry pan with olive oil or like what's the story? So I use olive oil and then I add the panko. And you can add garlic, too. It works really nicely where you'd saute the garlic first and then add the panko and just, you know, keep tossing. You can let it sit for a while without messing with it. It'll take a little while for them to start browning. But once they start turning that, like, beautiful golden brown, toss, 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 and then turn off the heat. And at the end, add a ton of shaved Parmesan cheese. (laughs) And it almost becomes like Frico on the side. You know what I mean? Yes. Just add it at the end. Where it's kind of like crispy, like a cracker Parmesan. Yeah. The residual heat. So some of the breadcrumbs will clump up together. Some will stay loose and just add it. And then you use that on top. And actually, it stays really well. I use my nut just jars, you know, when when I'm done with my not just tomato sauce. They're the perfect size for, you know, cooling all the breadcrumbs, putting them in there, and then keeping them in the fridge for the week. I kind of love that as a little meal prep treat. Yes. It's it's also, it's a savory sprinkle, which I... (laughs) Yes, totally. (laughs) It will forever be into, yeah. You know, and now that I'm thinking about the not just jars, the quick pickled jalapenos, I do the same thing. I make extra for the potato cheddar soup that I mentioned, and then they're just in the fridge sitting, and they're great like on wraps or rice and beans just to have them on the side for something spicy. Yeah, it's so funny. I like we love not just Co. They've been a sponsor. We're I love their miso lemon dressing a lot oh, it's too. So good, but. it's such a funny thing to like love jars and know that like all sauce (laughs) jars are not created equal and then not just jars are superior to a lot of other sauce jars if you need another reason to try it out they're just like the perfect size can we take a little side path for a second though yeah because i like to take the labels off yeah. Just because I like it to be clear about this. We should have because yes, we should have in our cleaning episode from last week. We should have because it's still sticky and everybody's complaining every time they go to like grab the jar. <laughs> it's 
still yeah. tacky on the outside. Shoot. I'm going to forget what it – well, one, sometimes if I take the label off before the jar gets washed, it's a little easier. Like once it gets wet or gets run through the dishwasher, it seems like the adhesive sets a little bit more. But what is the product called? It's like orange oil, basically. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That's been the thing that's helped. And then also, I learned this trick from prop stylists that I've worked with in the past to remove, like, labels or stickers on dishes is to actually take, like, your hairdryer and sort of warm up the label as you're pulling it off. And that helps loosen the glue, the adhesive, behind the label and helps take it off. Very smart. But you might be able to use Taryn's razor blade that she suggested we all buy last it's week. It's pretty <clears throat> sticky. The razor blade's not yeah. going to work. And okay. I did take it off before I ran it through the dishwasher. And then I ran it through the dishwasher several times thinking that the heat of the hot water would help. It's like, it's fully sticky. <laughs> I feel like the Greek thing to do would be to like rub it with olive oil. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, since we're talking about brands we love. Yeah. Omsom. Yes. They've never sponsored us, but we did choose to feature them in a newsletter at some point, which, hello, you guys, if you're not subscribed, all you have to do is go to the link in our Instagram bio or go on our site, subscribe. You get bonus recipes every single week and a pick of the week, which is where we feature a brand that we love not sponsored. Like these are handpicked things that we think make your kitchen a more fabulous place. And it just comes from our personal use. Anyway, Omsum makes these great Asian marinades and sauces that you can get mail order. They recently launched a yuzu misuyaki and I've been just putting it on salmon. It's amazing because literally you take the salmon, pat it dry, salt and pepper, Cook it three quarters of the way in the broiler or in the oven. And then for the last four minutes, you put the sauce on top and it just bakes in and it tastes like that delicious Japanese restaurant salmon. It could not be easier. It's delicious. I need to have like a whole pantry full. Okay, I'm going to order some. But this is, again, one of those funny like, oh, we're doing something that's similar but different. Oh, what? Salmon. Which is, uh, yeah, well, not salmon. Not we've done salmon once, but we've also done shrimp this way, and it's been really good. And it's using another brand that we've talked about before, Acid League. They make vinegars and now hot sauces and like a wine. They call it a wine proxy, so it sort of is like somewhere between a kombucha and a drinking vinegar. I haven't tried those yet, but anyways, they have this yuzu vinegar that I love and we've been mixing it with light or white miso and putting it on shrimp because you know Emmett loves shrimp so it sounds similar so similar but not quite the same so that's just another like just like the lemon chicken we're on the we're our minds are melting we're in sync (laughs) all right all right let's keep going you think I've got one that we may not be in sync because it's so deeply personal I've been making a lot of lasagna (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Are you going to tell the story? I told the story in the listeners group. Maybe people are bored of the story. But basically, the short version is that Mike left a lasagna out on the counter all night. And I was so upset because it was the first time I'd made lasagna in years. I also made a double batch, which is always a little bit harder because I made one for a friend who had hurt her ankle. And it was just crushing. I don't know. And it must have been in one of those weeks I mentioned earlier, like in February somewhere where I was I like, still think about it. Like I was so upset for you that I still like I think about it and get mad at Mike. I'm I sorry, Mike. About it and I really can't honestly believe how much rage I felt. Obviously, yeah. I was going through something, <laughs> something more to do with the pandemic and being home. And because I saw it on the counter the next morning and I literally, my body filled with rage for my husband. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm healing. You're healing through lasagna. Making, I'm healing through lasagna because I made another one. It took a while to make a second one. Everybody loved it. I made it on Sunday when I had some time. And then I was like, oh, like I, there's a night I don't have to cook. And when I was making one, and actually, like, you know, when you get into r- the routine of things, like, this isn't that hard. Like, I, yeah. it it just felt big in my head. So I've made a couple of lasagnas since. Is there any particular recipe that you like to follow or, like, 
No. What are the keys? You just wing it. I am definitely using jarred sauce to make things okay. easier. So I'm sauteing onion and garlic. Then I'm adding ground beef. I'm adding a ton of garlic powder and onion powder on top of it. A little red pepper flakes. Adding rayos or not just. Sometimes I like a little combo because they have slightly different flavors. Right. Finishing the sauce with olive oil. That's it. Then I'm layering that meat sauce with the lasagna noodles. Oh, I will say that both, and these are both, well, Whole Foods is nationwide. Wegmans is regional. Both have a shredded pizza cheese mix that has mozzarella and provolone. And I think the Whole Foods one might have something else. And I'm, we are loving that instead of just plain mozzarella. So I'll buy two bags ricotta dumped into a bowl, add a little heavy cream, like two little passes of my fresh nutmeg, salt, pepper, one of the bags of shredded cheese that gets layered in with the noodles in the sauce. And then the other bag of shredded cheese gets put on top. It sounds so good. I love those shredded cheese bags for making like bagel pizzas or English muffin pizzas for the kids. So yeah, I think everyone should buy more pizza cheese mix. Yeah, I I used to be a mozzarella uh, loyalist. Yeah. And I would actually like to grate it myself. Like I'd get half like a block of polio and freeze it a little so I could grate it easily and then half fresh and then layer that. No, uh uh-uh, no more. Making it easy and actually it has more flavor and I kind of love the way that shredded cheese melts when you're going to put it in the oven for so long. Right, and like gets crispy yes. around the edges. Totally. I don't know. Yeah. Totally. So do you have any like baked pastas or is that too wintry no, for where you well, are? Well, that's a little too wintry for where I am, but I will say there's like this sweet little aside, which is Brian's mom, you know, she had four kids. She worked full time. She used to make what she told them was lasagna but was actually more <laughs> like to bake ziti. And it's like the uh-huh. one thing that Brian will ask for a couple Aww. times a year, a year. Or it's not even baked ziti, but she, she like would make a meat sauce and then she would take like rigatoni noodles and yeah. toss the meat sauce with that, pack that in the lasagna dish, casserole dish, and then put the like a little bit extra meat sauce on top and then a whole layer of ricotta with more cheese. Again, she's probably using like skim low moisture mozzarella on the yeah. top and then bake the whole thing so it was it's like a li- like you get all the flavors of lasagna but it's way easier so yeah i love listening to you talk about lasagna and then thinking fondly of my sweet mother-in-law and Aww. her recipe and it's really good like it is really good and actually really fast and if you're craving lasagna but don't have the time to build one it's kind of a nice little weeknight yes, too. yeah totally Things that I'm baking are more like baking things, not pasta bakes. All right. What are you baking? Okay. I have fallen in love with Cook's Illustrated's Blondie recipe. You know my friend Patty, she writes for Kitchen also. She did one of those like recipe showdowns to try and find the best Blondie. And it's seriously so good. Like it has the texture of a brownie, has that shiny crinkly top, chewy edges, very moist, almost fudgy interior. But it's a blondie, and it uses both semi-sweet chocolate chips and white chocolate chips, which I feel like is just so, so good. It, the sweetness of the white chocolate chips balances out the sharp, you know, the sort of bittersweet of the semi-sweet chips. And it's just like a really good recipe. In fact, Elle, I made it once, and Ella's like, can you please make those again? Like, I bake so regularly that they very rarely ask for repeats, but she's definitely been like, can you make more of those blondies? Okay. So that's been a huge win. I made them. Okay. So I have a couple of questions because I totally agree with you. The flavor was killer because something happened. We'll talk about that in a second. And despite (laughs) that, everybody was super into them, including me. But, okay, number one, the recipe calls for you to line the pan with aluminum foil. Which I didn't do. I used parchment. So I listened. That. Okay. And I did the aluminum foil, and I was very annoyed by that. And I don't believe it said to spray the aluminum foil. And if you overbake it even just a little bit, even just in the corner pieces, like, it's it was just annoying. It stuck so badly. Yeah. Yeah. It was oh, not. I'm sorry. I was annoyed by that. But I also should have known to listen to myself. I was like, when I, especially with baking recipes, I'm like, let me try this the way it was written. Yes. Okay. 
Don't do that. Listen to Megan. Do parchment paper. <laughs> the other thing is, it called for a really big pan. Yes, which I also didn't do. I used like a quarter sheet pan, which is a little bit smaller. Okay, here's the other thing. So it called for a really big pan, and I listened. The aluminum foil was annoying also because the batter is so freaking thick. It is, right? Because it uses melted butter. Yeah. So that's part of the genius. But it is so thick that as you're spreading the top across this huge pan, like a 9 by 13, the aluminum foil's coming up and whatever. Okay. (laughs) I put it in the oven, and the cook time did not work for me. And so I had to re-put it in the oven. And then because I did that and I didn't have a timer, I was like, I'm just going to figure it out you know, and see when it's cooked, because I'll know I got distracted by something else. I didn't have a timer to remind me that I had blondies in the oven, and they totally overcooked, which was such a bummer. But I will say, even overcooked, everyone was kind of freaking out about them. Yeah. You could tell they were dense and chewy. They were too dense and chewy, but like it, you could tell what they were meant to be. So I endorse the recipe, but I would say don't use aluminum foil. And tell us, what size pan did you use? You just said it I and I can't remember a, already. <laughs> a, a quarter sheet pan, which I think is more like, it's not quite a 9 by 13. It's like 8 and 11. <clears throat> yeah, it's like 8 by 11. And that seemed perfect. If okay. a little bit even thin for what I would prefer a blondie yes. to be. Like, I do like a thick blondie, but it seemed like it made the texture perfect. So I might not mess with that. Okay. Also, I feel like Pat, in Patty's review, which maybe you just like clicked right through to where you can find... The recipe on Food 52. In Patty's review, she did like warn of all of these things. Oh, of course she did. Because <laughs> she's smarter than me and she gave all the information and I skipped right over Well, she right just did it. a lot of Blondie re- research. So we'll link to the review too yes. in the show notes to awesome. help everyone. Listen to Patty. Listen to Patty. Make- yes. Yes. Speaking of Patty, everyone at Kitchen and Kitchen followers are kind of freaking out because she made this skillet pancake. And um, the recipes on Kitchen, we'll link to it. And it is so good. It's like, you know how I loved sheet pan pancakes so much last year? Yes. This is like the flavor and texture of a sheet pan pancake, but you bake it in a skillet. And so it gets like extra crispy. Patty has you put blueberries in it. I did not put blueberries in it this, this most recent time I made it and just baked it straight up because the kids, I don't know, they just were not into blueberries. And it got so tall and fluffy. And then you like put butter on it and lots of maple syrup. And it's just so delicious. Easy breakfast. You could make it on a weekday, except for there's a little bit of a wait time, a rest period. And I don't know. It's just so much easier than pancakes. I I love pancakes. Actually, I'm not. That's a lie. I'm more team <laughs> waffle <laughs> than team pancake. But my kids love pancakes. And so I'm always kind of like trying to find the alternative to standing and flipping 100 pancakes. So I really, like, highly, highly endorse this recipe. I'm excited. I just (laughs) clicked over on the link that we're going to provide in the show notes. It looks amazing. Yeah. I want to ask a question, though, as a Bisquick... (laughs) Lover. Lover. Evangelist. A Bisquick evangelist. Is this, is her recipe a basic pancake batter, or is there something different that we should consider? Yeah, the only thing that's different, and actually you see this from time to time in other pancake recipes, like I think Epicurious's Diner Pancake does this, and maybe Kitchen's Lofty Buttermilk Pancake does this. The egg whites are separated from the egg yolks, and they're not whipped, but they're you let the yes. batter rest, yeah. and then you add the egg whites separately, which gives it more height. It helps like boost the, the rise in the oven. Um, and also just makes it a little bit more tender. So I wonder if you could do that move with a pancake mix. I wonder. And I bet you could. I bet you could. Why wouldn't you, right? I think you should try it and report back okay. if you're game for I'm it. I'm happy to. I agree. Okay. I've been baking something, which you know I don't say very often. I know, but I'm here for it. Lemon scones. I hate scones. Um <laughs> I, so I don't even know. It's a cream scone. There's one scone in the entire planet that I've traveled to that I really, really enjoyed. And it's at a little seaside bakery on the Oregon coast. Mm-hmm. And they make the most delicious scones. And partly because the scones aren't dry. So is it really a scone? I don't know. I don't. You could probably talk to this. But anyway, 
I asked about it one year and they were like, it's a cream scone. So I did some cream scone research. I developed this recipe. I said I liked it. I shared it. And years pass. And then someone wrote to me recently and said, you're, you know, I know you've switched sites. It seems like your lemon cream scone recipe didn't make it over onto your new site. Can you share it with me? And I was like, oh, perfect reason to retest it and to share it. And it's also citrus season. Perfect. It's so yummy. It's delicious. And it's because it doesn't really have flaky layers. It isn't. It's like creamy. It's got like nice body to it. I don't know. I really like it. Is it more going more towards cake than scone? Possibly. I don't know. I mean, do you know much about scones? Can you very quickly, without us nerding out too much, talk about cream scones versus regular scones and why they're so much softer and yummier and less dry? Yeah, I feel like I might get this wrong because I don't actually know the technical differences between a biscuit and a scone. But since they they do share a lot of similarities. Yes, totally. Like a regular buttermilk biscuit gets... A lot of baking powder and a lot, a little bit of baking soda. And then the buttermilk and the baking powder react Uh to give it the rise. Well, with cream scones, you use a lot more baking powder and no baking soda. And the cream actually acts as like both the butter and the, the buttermilk. The difference is that you do get a more tender crumb from a cream scone or a cream biscuit. And you get like a little bit more, little less rise. Yes, totally. But also like it's lighter. Yes. And you work a cream biscuit or a cream scone a lot less than you do a traditional buttermilk biscuit. Like when I make a buttermilk biscuit, I'm folding that dough over eight to 10 times. I want the dough to be like a little bit springy. Whereas like with a cream biscuit, I'm maybe folding it two or three times just until it comes together. And then I'm trying to cut it as quickly and like kind of bake it all in the same shape. Even if I'm making squares or rounds or like with scones, you do that sort of like pie wedge shape. So it comes down both to ingredients, but also to how you shape it, that it makes it a lot more tender. And I still think even if it it, it has like a cake-like texture, it still qualifies as a cream scone for sure. delish. I'm very happy with it. I need to know if you would be offended if I put like poppy seeds in it and make it a lemon poppy seed scone to try it out. Not at all. Totally do it. put it on my to-make list. All right. We got, we veered off into like baking territory, which we very rarely do. I just also want to shout out because I'm very proud. I'm going to toot my own horn. There is an awesome biscuit recipe. I couldn't talk about it when we talked with Erica about biscuits because I was still developing it. But it is a ranch. Yeah, <laughs> A ranch seasoned biscuit. There is a savory ranch sprinkle. There's Hidden Valley it, Ranch in the dough. It's it like basically is, Megan in a biscuit. I was going to say it is your piece de resistance. <laughs> it really this is, is it. my opus. We'll link to it in the show notes. I've made it so many times in the last eight weeks, but I still love it. And I think everyone should make it. Great weeknight side. Great I'm breakfast down. What option. are you serving it with? I mean, we've done it like with chicken, like frozen chicken strips and made yeah. like sandwiches. We've had it with soup. We've had it on the side of baked potatoes, which are a thing. It's yes. funny that you said potato soup because I've been like in a deep baked potato year, I feel like. You declared um, it the year of the baked potato early yeah. on. I'm going to remind everybody because someday, someday in the next few weeks or few months, that, that credit's going to go somewhere else and I'm going to fight for you. Aww. You said it. I love that so much. Okay. <laughs> but what about other dinner ideas? I've been having a like real love affair with tofu, which is unusual for me. I love Bon Appetit's maple miso tofu, and we've been doing that a lot to just put on, like, top of rice or ramen with, like, tons of chopped veggies. But more recently, I made a recipe from Eating Well, which calls for smoked tofu. Ooh, yum. And it's, like, smoked tofu that gets cooked crispy in a pan with a coleslaw that has, like, a little bit of lemon and mayonnaise, and you use, like, the bagged broccoli slaw, which makes it super easy, and you eat it as a wrap. And surprisingly, my whole family liked that. Even Ella, who doesn't really love tofu, loved it. So we'll link to that in the show notes. Just a highly recommend tofu recipe. What about you? I've also been cooking tofu a little bit. I've been playing with tofu and also tofu and paneer combined. Mm. We shared a recipe 
from the cookbook. It's actually not a cookbook. It's a tome called Nourish, but it does have a bunch of recipes at the end by Dr. Reshma Shah and Brenda Davis, who talked to us about going plant-based with kids. They shared with us a tofu tikka masala recipe that's really quick and easy. And that got me playing with other like buttered tofu. So I've tried a couple of different recipes. I'll, I'll list them all, mostly with plain rice, but I've also been experimenting with coconut rice. Mm, say more about that, because what does that really mean? So we do coconut rice and peas, like Caribbean style, mm-hmm. a bunch. But I just wanted to do, I love the flavor of coconut. One of my favorite desserts of all time is mango with coconut sticky rice. Okay. So I wanted to do just like a savory coconut rice. So what I, I've been playing with a couple of different methods. Maybe I'll post about it. But what I'm liking most right now is adding the rice to my rice cooker, adding a bunch of coconut cream. So you can use just the top of the coconut milk, the thick part, or you can get one of those smaller cans. I don't know. Are they like four and a half ounces? They're like what tomato paste come in. Yeah. You add the coconut cream and then just enough water to get to the right level. And you can add a little bit of butter, like a tablespoon of sugar, just enough to enhance that coconut flavor, but not make it sweet. This is savory rice. And then that's it. Like cook it like that. Sometimes I've, I've experimented with putting shredded coconut in it. I personally don't like that. I want the coconut flavor, but not with savory. I don't want that texture. Yeah. Um, And it goes really beautifully with a lot of like really simple South Asian and Asian things that I'm cooking. But again, mostly that tofu tikka masala and the butter tofu or butter paneer. And and then other dinners, a lot of chicken, obviously predictable. The chicken lady. <laughs> the chicken lady. Sheet pan chicken shawarma from winter, winter chicken dinner. Been making that a lot. That's really popular in our listeners group. It's I don't so think good. we talk about how there's like a handful of recipes that are really popular. In yes, group totally. From winter, winter chicken dinner that we should talk about. More. Maybe we'll make it a mini episode. That's a great idea. I'm okay. here for it. So that um, there's a one pot gingery chicken and rice on Bon App that I tried recently that my kids loved. And it's basically very gingery chicken thighs and rice. Oh, but and then it's like a sauce? side peanut sauce. And this the looks peanut sauce really good. was really good. And it was really quick and easy. And I made extra of the peanut sauce. And then I had it in my not just jars. And we used it up. Okay, while I'm talking poultry, I have one really weird thing that I need to throw out there that we're eating. Okay. Boar's head, Sausalito, turkey. Do you know about this? I do. Actually, it's one of Brian's favorite deli meats. Okay. So it used to be one of my favorites. I completely forgot about it. I was getting turkey for a while, then ham, then smoked turkey. And you know when your kids just like want the same thing over and over and then all of a sudden they're like, I'm done with that. So we had run through everything and I was like, I need like a quick, easy deli meat to put into sandwiches, especially because... (laughs) My 11-year-old is back at school, going to be back four days, and doesn't like the cafeteria. Right. Because it's not the regular cafeteria because they're boxing up lunches and giving them out individually. And so I'm back to freaking packing school lunches. <laughs> Me too, if it's any oh. consolation. Oh. Anyway, actually, we have a mini coming up about it because yes. it's a, this is like a thing, right? I was like, oh, Sausalito turkey. Let me get that. Why is it so good? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, like trying to go- I'm over here gone. trying to Google like what is Sausalito seasoning. It is seasoning? so delicious. It is. And it's isn't it just that it's like it has extra seasoning and it's yes. like a little bit spicy, but there's like some sweet pepper flavor to it. Probably some garlic and onion. Whatever Borset is doing, they may never change the recipe or I'm going to write a letter. I don't know. Like the other day I was making a sandwich for Oliver and I literally like without even realizing it was like to myself, why is Sausalito turkey so good? And he just was like, I don't know, mom. Like he was serious. Like we were both serious. You're mesmerized by the Sausalito. (laughs) I want to know. I really am Googling right now. It's really good. Let's power through. Wow, we've been talking a lot. One other thing in the poultry realm, which is (laughs) 
not that we have to move on. We could spend a whole episode talking about just the chicken that we eat. But like, I've really been having a thing with chicken wings recently. And like, the <laughs> kids are really, <laughs> really into them. So we've been doing like lemon pepper chicken wings. Mm. Or we'll just do like plain chicken wings and everyone can have their own sauce. But now I'm wondering if I can do that one pot chicken and rice with like the peanut sauce and like the gingeriness of it as wings. Do you do think it. I can pull that off? Okay, Yeah, cool. of course you can pull it off. All right, talk to us about sheet pan sub. That's it. I was going to say sheet pan Italian sub. I was reminded when you you said something that you were eating that made me think of this. Maybe the Italian chopped salad. Oh, yeah, So it's not, it's like a warmer version. I think it's funny that we both gravitated towards this flavor profile, but you turned yours into a salad and I am still wanting warm (laughs) things. (laughs) But it's a recipe on New York Times, and it's just really, like, simple and delicious, you know, radicchio. But you can use whatever you want, pepperoncino, tomatoes, red onion, chickpeas, and then hunks of salami Mm. all on a sheet pan. Finish it with a little, like, good olive oil and, you know, vinegar, and that's it. Serve with crusty bread. Delish. I forget about how much I love sandwiches. Now I want to make that. This is my favorite thing about these episodes is, yes, we have some like overlaps some similarities, but I always leave with ideas of what to cook. And then I hope that you do too. And I know that our listeners do. And then also they bring their ideas about what they're cooking and eating now to our listeners group. So if you're not there already, you should definitely join. I agree. It's a good reason to make sure that you're subscribed to our newsletter, which I mentioned earlier. You get extra recipes. You get our pick of the week every single week. You can subscribe at didn'tijustfeedyou.com or follow the link in our Instagram bio. Speaking of Instagram, we are so close to 10,000 followers Uh, and that swipe up. So really, Uh, if you're like not following us already, if you could please do that. Maybe by the time this episode airs, Uh, we'll get over that and we can swipe up directly to these recipes and to episodes. We just, we we only want it so we can give you more direct access. So find us on Instagram and Facebook where we are at Didn't I Just Feed You. Keep in mind that the real Facebook fun is that private listeners community. The answer to be let in is whiskey. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you get your podcast so that you don't miss an episode. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jim Endo. A huge thank you to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. She's truly the best. I'm Stacy. And I'm Megan. Stay sane and well fed until next week. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go make my lunch right now. I'm gonna go I think have you should a take salsalito <laughs> seasoning and make a salsalito chicken <laughs> recipe.